Scishow Tangents is brought to you by Shopify. Hank, when you started your career as <laughs> the internet science man, was opening an online store something that you were really thinking that hard about or something you thought you'd do in a billion years? I was uh, making a shop before I was the internet science man. Oh, what? That was the first thing I did. I was that first. Wow, I got to learn my Hank history. How did that go for you? <laughs> Good. I'll, here's what I'll tell you. Like the the the... The part where we start selling a thing and you get to see the number go up is so exciting. And uh, when it's just like you uh, by yourself, you got to be careful. But luckily, (laughs) Shopify has all kinds of little tools to help you with that, to help you with increasing conversions, to help you with managing orders, with customer support, with all of the stuff. Uh, Because it's a, you know. I don't know. It feels like the industry standard. And so there are all kinds of plugins that you can use to make your Shopify work for you in particular. That's right. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from vlogging in your parents' basement to treading the boards of Carnegie Hall. Now, it was my basement. It was my (laughs) basement of my own home that I was renting. (laughs) Downstairs of. (laughs) If you say so. From your first sale to your one millionth, Shopify is here to help you grow. And they've got a proven track record, my friends. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and powers entrepreneurs in 175 countries. They have, as Hank mentioned, the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And they have award-winning customer service because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tangents, all lowercase tangents. Go to shopify.com slash tangents now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S, all lowercase. And welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive science knowledge showcase. I'm your host, Hank Green, and joining me this week, as always, is science expert, Sari Riley. Hello. And our resident everyman, Sam Schultz. Hello. So now that we're done with uh, with the Awesome Socks Club uh, sale for this <laughs> period of time, I'm curious, did you guys sign up for the Awesome Socks Club? And if oh. not... Explain yourself. Well, um, <laughs> you don't have to, Sam. Rachel is like covered in them. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I have multiple of each pair of awesome socks. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I have so many socks. For people who don't know, Sam's partner, Rachel, uh, works at DFTBA and is one of the one of the minds uh, behind the Awesome Socks Club. So Rachel is is often organizing the artists who are doing those that art. Are you signed up for it? I am signed up for it. I oh. like to. I, I don't know what they all look like before they arrive. So it's a surprise for you sometimes. Sometimes, yeah, that's cool. And Sari, how about you? Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. I don't wear socks oh. very often, oh. and especially now that we're in an all indoor lifestyle, or like mostly still, I mm-hmm. still don't go into an office ever. Yeah. My need for socks is very low. Do you wear socks with your shoes? Yeah, I wear socks with my shoes. Okay. So if I'm just like taking out the trash, 
shoes without socks. Sure. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I put my shoes on without socks only in desperate situations. <laughs> only if your life is in danger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, every time I do it, I'm like, I'm so unhappy. I'm so unhappy. I, I can't justify going all the way upstairs to get socks right now. I just have to take the garbage out. But mm-hmm. I do hate every second of it. You got to get some Crocs. I guess Crocs have need socks too, don't they? I think less so. I have slippers. Yeah. Oh, okay. I have slip like like rubber bottom slippers that I sometimes use in th- those situations. Even that, I want socks. You want mm. socks and slippers? I'm a sock man. What can I say? Mm. Well, yeah that, yeah, that adds up. You have a sock company. It's true. Yeah. If you hated <laughs> socks and you had a sock company, you'd just be a big hypocrite. Yeah, it, was, it all comes out one day as a big scandal. <laughs> yeah. Like a piece of tangents when we didn't think it was being recorded. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't believe people wear socks. They're so <laughs> gross. Yeah. And I sell it to yeah. TMZ for $100,000. Yes. <laughs> Science man Hank Green. Too pure uh-huh. or sock goblin. <laughs> <laughs> well, every week here on SciShow Tangents, we get together to try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts while also trying to stay on topic. Our panelists are playing for glory and for Hank Bucks, which I'll be awarding as we play, and at the end of the episode, one of them will be crowned the winner. Now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem, this week from Sari. Polyps on outcrops with calcium carbonate branches and grooved rains and every kind of shape. Reef colonies that house little barbarians. This is just one of the many Nadarians. A boxy clear body in cold ocean water. 24 eyes to find prey it will slaughter. Long lethal noodles that aren't vegetarian. This is just one of the many Nadarians. Suction to sea rocks with mouth butt in center. Ready to sting stuff though clownfish may enter. Tentacles help it when sucking up carrion. This is just one of the many Nadarians. When the ocean seems so boring, just a deep dark place. I simply remember the Nidarians with their toxic and soft embrace wow holy crap (laughs) this is the best podcast (laughs) oh my god i like i wanted to bust out my guitar and accompany you it's very hard to do that acapella very well done two points one point for your poem which usually you get zero so that's like two points you Mm -hmm. get a poem point today which is bad news for sam yeah I give up already. (laughs) (laughs) Nidarians are the jellies, or how are you pronouncing Nidarian? Because I always heard of Nidarian. Okay. So we're talking about jellies, like jellyfish, but also anemones and a few other things that are related to them, I think. Uh, But I guess I should leave it to Sari to tell me, Sari, what is a Nidarian? Well, I mean, Google told, said Nidarian, so now <laughs> I feel said like I'm a, a big winner. <laughs> you got to sing the whole song again. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one thing I was sure about, and everything else I was like, ooh, but <laughs> bummer. It's a it's, mix. It's both ways. It's like Caribbean. Okay. So uh, jellies, anemones, corals, siphonophores, which are those colonial organisms, um, they are all under this category of Nidarians, Nidarians. And they're named for these special type of cells called 
nidoblasts or nidoblasts. I'm going to stop switching between them at some point. Um, on their tentacles with stinging nematocysts. So they are like little, basically harpoon-like structures loaded into their cells on their tentacles that with uh, chemical stimulation or pressure stimulation, those will inject venom into their prey so that they mm-hmm. can stun them and eat them. Or if your skin is too thick, like human skin, if you touch uh, anemone, then it'll just feel sticky. Like that's it's trying to sting you. Ooh, okay. Um, as opposed to like successfully stinging you and paralyzing your hand. Ah. Right. So they all sting. They just can't all sting us, but some of them can for sure. Yep. Um, yeah. Some of them can for sure. And by colonial organisms, do you mean like a uh, coral? Well, not really. Yeah. So corals live in a colony, but each of the polyps is genetically distinct. Uh-huh. And a colonial organism like a Portuguese oh, man of war right. is oh. where every like subset of the organism is a clone, like genetically identical to each other. So there are like food mm-hmm. chunks. And there are tentacle chunks, and they're all genetically identical, but they express differently. And they're very weird, and we don't quite understand. So weird. Uh, Where did that word come from, Sari? Did you figure that out with that C that's just distracting everyone? Yep. Uh, Well, the C used to be a K, or kappa in Greek. And it came from a word spelled K-N-I-D-E, which I think was pronounced kanidi, maybe? Uh Um, which means nettle, oh. a root word that means to scratch or scrape. Mm-hmm. And nidarian or, uh, comes from Greek. Mm, gotcha. But like when you get to the K-N sound, then it goes a word of uncertain origin. Mm-hmm. So we were making this weird sound and mm-hmm. it was probably really hard to trace linguistically in addition to pronounce because right. it's so weird. And you probably have people throughout history also going, is it? or is it or like whatever like like the way that we're going back and forth on nidarian nidarian i'm mm-hmm. sure they also did that with the kns in history hmm. all right and that means that it is time to move on to the quiz portion of our show uh today we're going to be playing a game of and we're going to be talking about a kind of nidarian which is a tiny tiny nidarian just a, a, maybe a few millimeters in length but if you're in a shallow lagoon you might see a starlit sea anemone, uh, and you might see its tentacles just sort of sticking out of the mud while the rest of its body stays buried under the mud. And those tentacles, they can trap small mollusks and crustaceans as they pass over the anemone. So for today, I'm going to tell you three stories about starlit sea anemone tentacles, (laughs) but only one (laughs) of them is true. Which one is it? It could be fact number one. The starlet sea anemone has special grooves in its tentacles that it can fill up with rocks and other debris as physical protection against predators. Hmm. Or it might be number two. Starlet sea anemones are born with four tentacles, but if they are well-fed, they can grow more. And then they grow more and more tentacles until they're practically little hairballs. Or it could be fact number three, where neighboring anemones will weave their tentacles together to create a web working together to trap more food. Oh, I love that. We're holding hands. So which one could it be? Fact number one, solid as a rock. Fact number two, food-fueled arms. Or fact number three, the anemone web. Uh, do they have good enough thinking parts to make themselves armor? Oh, you don't have to have thinking parts. There are amoebas that create little rock-walled shells. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Okay. They don't have any thinking parts either. 
I still don't believe that they can do it. <laughs> they can grab some rocks. No. Um, the one where they grow more tentacles as they get older, that feels like it could be true. I don't know. Not older, more well-fed. A more well-fed. Excuse yes. me. Excuse me. Yeah. The rich get richer. Once you get food, <laughs> you got more arms to grab more food and yeah. steal it from your brethren. Um, and then the holding hands one is just very cute. I don't know. Yeah. I also don't know if they'd coordinate enough, but I could also see like tides. I don't know if they're kind of near the surface. Like you just kind of interlace and then like they it, they touch another one of them and they're like, ah, oh, this is nice, but accidentally or something. Yeah. Like they're flirting kind of like, oh, this is nice. And then they won't let go. Um, but then I don't know who would get the food. I guess that would be that would be a completely different type of anemone. Oh, that that's a good point. They they then care about each other. Where it's like, okay, if you're if it touches your tentacle, you get the food. If it touches mine, I'll get the food. And if it's in the middle, we'll just see share. where it rolls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Two seems make upable to me in a way that makes me not believe it. Arms. Yes, the too many arms. One with the rocks, maybe similar. Uh, but I don't believe three either. I talk so much shit, but I might go with the one. Oh. With the rock one. I feel like the the like the wow, surprising reveal is gonna be how they share food. So I'm gonna go with the tentacle net one. <laughs> well, Sam and Sari, I'm gonna tell you that when a starlet sea anemone is born, it has four buds that will each oh. eventually grow into tentacles. And as they grow up, the sea anemone might form new buds and they become tentacles as well. So scientists were trying to figure out what controlled this process. So researchers at the European Molecular Biology Laboratory started to feed some sea anemones and not others. And they found that the more well-fed one that got up to two brine shrimp per day were able to grow those additional tentacles faster. The results showed that sea anemones grow more tentacles when they are fed more food. This makes them the first animal we know of that can turn excess nutrition into more body parts. Just like wow. plants can do that. Uh, that probably helps them adapt well to their environment because if you have more food available, you want to have more tentacles. But if you have less food, you probably don't need all those extra tentacles to be maintaining all the time. I'm sorry, you both got no points. I should have known that your wealthy person a- analogy was the correct answer. It's just the way of things. <laughs> it's just the way of things. It's just the way of the world, even yeah. in these squishy, blobby little guys. Yeah. Um, the anemone web, it's just a good idea. Uh, we, <laughs> yeah, uh, we should tell we, them about it. We think that they should try that out, but they haven't yeah. yet. Um, and as as far as the uh, the rock goes, the starlet sea anemone has uh, tentacles like many cnidarians, and they're covered in those nematocysts. So you do not need you do not really need to rocks. fight off predators in that way. You got the stinging cells. Ah. But uh, testate amoebas are a real thing. You should check them out. And also on Journey to the Microcosmos, the YouTube channel, we just did an episode on starlet sea anemones. So you can check that out. Well, that means it's time for us to take a short break. And then we'll be back with the fact off. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscription services you had, You think you could name them all? And before you just start naming streaming apps, remember that basically everything has a subscription these days. Video games, dating apps, food delivery apps. It's a subscription service world. We're just living in it. And with all of these subscriptions, it can feel like money is just flying out of your account. And that, frankly, sucks. 
but Rocket Money can help. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money can help you negotiate to lower some bills for you by up to 20%. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in total canceled subscriptions. Escape from the planet of the subscription services and stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary-defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, They sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks, and we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850+, their best-selling honey. It's not the same. (laughs) It's not (laughs) what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 plus Manuka honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's manukora.com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome back, everybody. We have a score of one to zero because Sari got a point for that poem. And now it's time for the fact off, where Sari and Sam have brought science facts to present to me in an attempt to blow my mind. After you have presented your facts, I'm going to judge them and uh, decide which one of those will be the best TikTok. And I will give the Hank points, Hank bucks to the one that I think will make the best TikTok. But to decide who goes first, I have a trivia question for you. It's going to require a little bit of background information, so get ready. Some Nidarians 
like certain jellyfish, live in the Mediterranean Sea. So they have to deal with currents because there's a lot of currents there. And in 2019, researchers discovered that they swim faster when they are swimming against the current. When they swim with the current, they use it like a lazy river and they swim 35% slower. Mm-hmm. This is more noticeable in Ripolemonomatica, whose average speed is 6.7 centimeters per second, than in the smaller belled Rhizostoma pulmo. Compared to no current, how much faster does the Ropalemonomatica swim when it is going against the current? So when it's going with it, they're like, well, I'm just going to take a little break. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that they're like, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing my thing. I'm going, yeah. I'm going where I'm trying to go. <laughs> I think it juices itself up. I would try about 150%. Wow. So I'm like really one and a half up. times as hard. If I was not in a lazy river, I'd be like, eh, paddle and like try to make it a little bit faster. I wouldn't do very, ah, okay. It's, it feels low, but I'll go with it. <laughs> I'm going to go with 35%. And Sam is our winner because the number is 25%. So oh. even he was over. Okay. Price is right rules. You both lose and I get to tell the first fact. Uh, Sam, <laughs> who do you want to go first? <laughs> Uh, I guess I'll try to go first. Okay. Even though I'm scared. <laughs> this has a lot to do with the trivia thing we just talked about. When you think of efficient swimmers, you might picture a lithe dolphin swooping through the water or the aerodynamic swordfish shooting through the briny deep. And while these creatures are really fast, they are beat as far as efficiency goes by the humble jellyfish. Jellyfish, particularly moon jellies, but I think like jellyfish in general are in fact thought to be the most efficient swimmer in all the sea and according to a scientific american article quote their cost of transport the oxygen they use to move is 48 percent lower than any other swimming animal so they're great at swimming they're just not really all that fast because they're little blobby guys and of course there's been a lot of research into why they're so efficient and as of january 2021 we think we know a big part of their secret So studying the swimming motion of moon jellies using a tank of water filled with small glass beads that were like illuminated with lasers and high-speed video, researchers discovered that each time the jellyfish contracted their bells to expel water to move themselves, they shot out a couple of rotating vortexes of water behind them. And then the next time they expelled water, they shot vortexes of water that rotated the opposite direction as the first set. And these pairs of opposite spinning vortexes resisted each other and created what the researchers called a virtual wall of water. So Mm. the researchers described this as being pretty similar to the ground effect that airplanes experience when they get close to the ground and the air like squishes underneath them and it makes kind of like a blob of air that keeps them suspended. So jellyfish have like a solid blob of water beneath them that then they can push off of over and over again and building walls behind them as they go, like a person pushing off of the wall of a swimming pool or something, except you could magically build another wall behind you. So using this method, jellies increase their speed by 41% and the distance traveled per squeeze by 61% (laughs) compared to when they aren't using this method, like when they take their first stroke, there's no wall to push against, so they can't do it. Uh, Mm. The researchers think this swimming method, which is very quiet in addition to being very efficient, would be useful for aquatic vehicles and robots of the future. So next time you see little jellies booping around, take a moment to appreciate that there is more going on with their swimming style than meets the eye even if those brainless dopes have no idea that they're doing it. To make the opposite rotating vortexes, do they move their 
bells a different way each flap? I watched the slow motion video of them doing it so many times. It looked <laughs> like they were doing the same thing over and over again, but you can see the beads going one way wow. and then the other way. It was very weird. Yeah. I once found a squirrel that was uh, in need of help and I... Special tangents. And I, <laughs> I, I called a person in the phone book. And I, oh. who was what year this, was this? And I, the, I think it was like 99. Oh, and, wow. uh, and she was like a person who takes in animals, but largely squirrels. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I brought it over and she was like, I'll take care of it and, and raise it up. And then, like, she was like, Do you want to see my squirrels? And I was like, Well, I just saw them. There's like a whole bunch <laughs> here, like in, in your house where all the squirrel cages are. And she was like, No, the ones I've released. And we went outside and she was like, made a squirrel noise with her mouth and, and like squirrels just cascaded out of the tree. Oh, squirrels that what? she fed every day. And then, and she t- started talking to me about each individual individual squirrel and I was like you can tell the difference between the squirrels she's like of course I can and I was like they're <laughs> squirrels they all and she's like no they all have different faces and I was like this what? is amazing I feel like I've no, entered into don't. some kind of like bizarre fantasy world <laughs> um and they like ran down onto her like on her arms and shirt I was oh. like this is very wrong and cool and That's but so do, cool. you definitely shouldn't be doing this but also I love it <sighs> <laughs> I want to be friends with squirrels. Squirrel seems like they'd be a good friend. Yeah. yeah. I want to be friends with corvids. They'll bring me shiny oh, stuff. I'll yes. trade them. I feel like if you're friends with a raven, like you don't just have a like a friend that will bring you a present. You have a friend that will hurt your enemies. Yeah. <laughs> a real ride or die kind of friend. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a, a Reddit thread about somebody who made friends with the ravens in his neighborhood and they attacked all his neighbors. So then he had to <laughs> convince his neighbors to become friends with them too. Oh my God. And then they all became friends. And then one saved someone's life. Oh my God. Oh, wow. <laughs> it like freaked out because she got hit by a car or something. Oh. And then he was like, oh no, one of Man. my friends. We, yeah. I mean, we were close to having crows instead of cats, I bet. <laughs> like, would would that be a better world? I kind of think it would. If we could, if I could train a crow to poop in a, a box of sand, that's better than a oh, cow. That is the big problem with birds: is that they poop wherever they want, and that is not sustainable. No, it's not good for inside of my house. Anyway, <laughs> that was a great fact, Sam. I loved it, Sarah. What do you got? One of my very favorite animals is the boxer crab or pom pom crab, which is not. A nidarian, but these little gremlins in the genus Libia hold a sea anemone in each claw as they scuttle around the seafloor. Wow! Uh, and if you're like me, <laughs> you're, have you never heard of these? No. I send so many pictures of these to my friends. So apparently, we're not friends. <laughs> I'll send you pictures. Um, so if you're like me, your first thought might be. What? And then what an adorable mutualism. The anemones help the crabs catch food and stay safe from predators. And the crabs carry the anemones around because otherwise they'd be stuck to a rock somewhere. But that's wrong. These boxer crabs are rude dudes, a.k.a. kleptoparasites who ruthlessly use the anemones who don't really have a choice in the matter. So the pairings of sea anemone and boxer crab vary depending on the location, but there's a group of scientists that have been studying Libya leptochelis crabs in the Red Sea for over a decade, which are generally found holding anemones of the genus Alicia. Uh, And in a study published in October 2013, they collected a bunch of L. leptochelis crabs from the Red Sea and ran some experiments to watch them feed and see what happened when they took away their Alicia anemone pom-poms. Turns out, 
the anemones that were free from the crabs grew an average of 177% larger over just six weeks and kept growing even more after the experiments were over. They also got brighter in color. Their petal discs, which are their little foot, grew up to 250% wider, and they basically flourished without the dang crabs there. And the crabs not only pull the anemones away from food, but they use their little walking legs to push food particles away. So kind of like constantly pruning a bonsai tree to keep it from growing. These crabs are depriving the anemones of food so they stay nice and claw-sized instead of growing huge and healthy. And that's only the beginning of the manipulation. In a January 2017 paper, the same researchers studied more crabs and anemones and found that the crabs really like having two equal-sized anemone boxing gloves, <laughs> so much so that they will fight with other crabs and steal an anemone or a fragment of one if they don't have any. And if they only have one, they will rip it in half by stretching <sighs> it between their claws and tearing it with their walking legs to force <laughs> asexual reproduction and produce two wow. genetically identical anemone babies. And in fact, in over 100 crab anemone combos that they collected for these experiments, every pair of sea anemones held by a crab was genetically identical. (gasps) Um, And so like all good scientists, they include caveats about how these crabs having clone pom-poms doesn't necessarily mean all boxer crabs do. And not having evidence of free-living Alicia anemones in the Red Sea doesn't mean that there aren't any big wild ones out there. Mm -hmm. But... It's really suspicious. Wait, 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 wait. Were they identical? Were they genetically identical to the to the one the other one the crab was holding, or to all of the other ones? I think just genetically identical to the one in the hand. Yeah. So it's not like there's one one anemone. Yeah, yeah. And they're just trading it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so genetically identical, like the pair is. Yeah. Um, and so these boxer crabs control at least the food intake, growth, and reproduction of their anemone pets, which feels like an absolutely wild level of evil genius level manipulation from a little crab. I didn't quite catch what's in it for the crab. Yeah, I was wondering that same thing. I think it's um like they they get defense from them. So like so they're claw- stingy. They're stingy, yeah, yeah, and can sting to catch food. So oh, they will, man. like, use the anemones to sting and then, like, bat the food away from them uh, uh. and eat them themselves. So these crabs, their claws are no longer, like, pinchy and dangerous. They are adapted and lumpy to hook perfectly into so they, anemones. Oh, my God. Could they not survive without an anemone? They could, like, scuttle around, but not for very long. Like, right. they can't defend themselves. They can't really eat very good. And so, like, they have evolved to need these little guys. Wow. Poor little guys. I wish they were friends. I know. know. It's so cute. I love that they rip them apart to force asexual reproduction. Yeah. Forced asexual reproduction is an interesting phrase for ripping an organism in half. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's a phrase for ripping in half, but it lives. And so it's okay, maybe. This is another example of biology being like, whatever you learned was wrong, especially single-celled organisms, like reproduction and trauma can be one and the same thing. Like a lot of single-celled organisms, like you put them in a blender and chop them into a hundred pieces, you get a hundred cells. And that's reproduction like that's the Mm -hmm. only way they do it is they either intentionally or unintentionally get broken into pieces and if you can do it that way what is the individual which one is the parent are we all just one organism that happened one time and like that organism has never died it's just branched into a lot of you know sort of autonomous units that glop around and go to get ice cream like what the hell this life is so weird even me 
I'm I'm one of them too. That's right. Just the one guy. Oh no. But a bunch of them all working together to think about Nidarians and like make dinner for Rachel. <laughs> and think about Muppets. Uh huh. And- <laughs> think about Muppets. If you want to listen to more Sam Schultz, by the way, check out oh Commitment. It's a podcast about Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> so I win, right? Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Sam. Uh, I think you could tell by my reaction that you didn't I win. I this show. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Sam. I'm going to hire myself a, a research assistant, and then we'll see. Yeah. It's not that it wasn't interesting, Sam. Hmm. Um, it's mostly that if I'm going to make a TikTok about it, a bunch of crabs wearing know, colorful pom-poms is going to be really cute. Is a winner. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tuna has written into our into the show notes, fact off scores, Sari, pom-poms. Sam, still cool, though. Uh, (laughs) And now it's time to ask the science couch where we ask a listener question to our virtual couch of finely honed scientific minds. This is from at Bridget and at writer biologist who both asked, who told everyone that peeing on a sting would make it better? What's the science behind that? What a good question. I'm pretty sure that it doesn't do anything. But. We all know about it, so it must have come from somewhere. I have a theory. I don't know if this is true. Is it that ammonia does help, and we think that there's ammonia in pee, because if you let pee sit out for a long time, there is, but there isn't when you pee it out at first? Probably not, now that I've said it. And is the person <laughs> who told everybody that named Joey Tribbiani. <laughs> I had to be before Joey. Hmm? Is that the name of the guy from Friends? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I watched my first clip of Friends in researching this this question. That's a great Friends, a moment in Friends history. Yeah. Well, it did exist before him. And ammonia is the thing. It's like people thought there's something about ammonia in urine. And like that sounds chemically, maybe it's like, it is on the more basic side of pH spectrum. And so it's like mm-hmm. maybe something to do with that is what will help. But I couldn't find a discrete source. And every like article that I was reading was like that 1997 episode, season four, episode one of Friends is what popularized it in pop mm-hmm. culture. Like the idea of you must pee on a jellyfish sting. But like there's no way the writers in that writer's room made it up. Someone heard it from somewhere and then was like, you know what would be funny? I feel mm-hmm. like I'd heard it before then. Like, I grew up in yeah. Florida where there was, like, I stepped on a jellyfish when I was a man of war, actually, when I was, you know, like nine and got a bad sting. And I feel like we talked about it then. Ooh. Yeah. That would have been the 80s. Growing up yeah. in Alabama, I think my brother stepped on a jellyfish and maybe yeah. somebody peed on it. I don't know. <laughs> I Like, I, it makes sense as a thing that would spread around because it's just, like, funny. Um, Mm -hmm. and like, can you imagine like, like you're in a panic situation and you have to pee on someone like it is a humorous, (laughs) it makes a little bit of light of the situation. And it's, it also just is a fun thing to imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it also is like, feels like a a life hack, like a, like a survivalist tip. Mm -hmm. Like you've got it in you to, to stop the pain, just piss Uh, (laughs) in like the same way of the, you can fold a chip bag. A different way this whole time. You were just missing out. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just piss. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could fold a chip bag a different way. Just piss. If only every life hack ended that way. It's like you've been you've been opening a banana wrong the whole time. Just piss. Just piss. <laughs> oh wait, I had a thought. Yes. When you think about a situation where there has been a jellyfish sting and uh, someone has to pee on it, imagine that situation and you are in that situation. Which person were you? Oh, I was the person who needed someone to pee on it. Mm. Sam, who are you? I think I'm trying to pee on it myself. I was. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you both. <laughs> I got to pee on my own self. Yeah. What if you got a jellyfish sting on your back, dude? Oh, well, I'd have to figure out some math real fast about trajectories and <laughs> you stuff. You just need a cup, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> I immediately imagine myself as the peer. Because uh-huh. I'm like, I'm the hero here to save the day with my <laughs> with my special secretion. <laughs> no, That's... I'm absolutely the damsel in distress. Please help. <laughs> Please help. Just piss. Just piss. <laughs> but anyway, this doesn't do anything. Yes. It, in fact, it could make it worse. Uh, uh, dang. So don't piss. In fact, just don't piss. <laughs> uh, and that's because pouring fresh water which urine is basically fresh water with some stuff sprinkled in it, will change the composition <laughs> so of I mean, whatever. I, would, I don't want to let that stand. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> urine is basically Aquafina purified water with a little stuff sprinkled in it. Yeah, it's like um, a Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> don't drink piss. Yeah. Don't drink it. Don't put it on jellyfish stings. Okay. Regardless, it is not good because it is. Uh, it will change the composition of the area around the stinger. Mm-hmm. And like we've been talking about, it's not only pressure. So like once the stinger is attached to your skin, so that means some of the nematocysts have deployed and it's like stuck in there. But not all of them have. So there, there could be more stinging that could happen. Yeah. Okay. And if you pour certain things on it, so like ethanol or isopropanol, a lot of different alcohols, mm-hmm. um, or or fresh water, it might make it worse. It might deploy more of those stingers. If uh. you pour salt water, it's probably neutral because jellyfish are in salt water mm-hmm. the whole time. But former SciShow editor and co-host of SciShow After Hours, Christy Wilcox, was like one of the lead researchers on all the papers to do with jellyfish piss and stings, (laughs) which is very like in character for her. And so they showed in a 2016 paper that vinegar or acetic acid is the best simple treatment for a first aid standard for jellyfish stings. If you pour it on, uh, then it will stop. It will prevent some things from deploying, even if you oh. then pour like isopropanol on top of it. Like the vinegar will have prevented the nematocysts from firing. Um, and then you can use like tweezers or something to to rip it off. But basically, huh. whatever you can do to deactivate it and then gently pull it off your skin. So not a lot of like scraping, not a lot of pouring weird stuff mm-hmm. on it. Well, that is excellent. And I'm glad that we got that cleared up for all of you listening out there. Just make sure that you shout at your friends. Just don't piss <laughs> in any situation, really. And uh, we need to spread that information far and wide. If you want to ask your science couch question to the science couch, you can follow us on Twitter <laughs> at SciShowTangents, where we will tweet out 
topics for upcoming episodes every week. Or you can join the SciShow Tangents Patreon and ask us on our Discord. Thank you to at Umcarla, Jets Galore, and everybody else who asked us questions for this episode. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's very easy to do that. First, you can go to our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash scishowtangents, where you can become a patron and get access to things like our newsletter and our bonus episodes. Somebody reminded me that we could have called our... October bonus episode, Spooky PPpedia. Well, you said that first, and then we forgot to title it that. I oh, was that my joke? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Your joke was Spoopy PPpedia. Yeah, Spoopy PPpedia. That's yeah. great. Also coming soon, our cars to commentary, because guess what? We hit our goal. Yeah, we got 500 patrons on the SciShow Tangents Patreon. Thank you all so much for signing up, because now... We get to do a commentary to learn how water works at the Cars universe. How they're drinking that stuff. How are they doing it? It's terrifying if you think about it too much. It's a great place, our Patreon. You should really join. It's a lot of fun. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell tell people about about us. Thank you for joining us. I have been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who edits a lot of these episodes along with Hiroko Matsushima. Our social media organizer is Paolo Garcia Prieto. Our editorial assistants are Deboki Trakarvardi, Emma Douster, and Alex Billow. Our sound is is by Joseph Tuna Medish, and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you! And remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But, one more thing are Nidarians that have a complicated relationship with poop. Sometimes they love it, sometimes they hate Me it. Me too. A study <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a study published in March 2021 in the journal Frontiers in Microbiology found that pathogens in surgeon fish poop prevent corals from healing their wounds, mm-hmm. but clam poop brings photosynthetic <laughs> microorganisms to the corals, which they symbiotically use as their main source of energy. Man, I want a clam to shit on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah imagine if you could just clam poops on you and then yeah that's, that's how it. i You're become photosynthetic i need some zoos mm-hmm. and <laughs>